Iowa everywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, boys, it's game day. Let's go. Let's go. Big game. Got a big game today. A package has arrived. Oh, sweet. Nice. Score! Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go blue! Here we go. Primetime football. Texans, Dolphins. Let's do this. Yes! Review. Yes! Yes! Heartland Flags. Every sport, every team, every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag, too. Find your flag and so much more with fast, free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Every sport, every team, every flag. Almost. Success in farming is all about precision and efficiency. Ensuring every seed, every drop of water, every nutrient and treatment counts. TerraPlex Ag is helping farmers all over Iowa and the Midwest do just that. With precision ag-grown technology and support from TerraPlex, you'll boost your productivity and make timely and informed decisions, all while reducing your costs and increasing your profits. It's time to revolutionize your farming. Harvest the benefits with TerraPlex Ag. Visit TerraPlexAg.com. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seat Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Big Ten fans, and Iowans everywhere, including here in Orlando. Welcome into the Channel Seed Studios for episode 20 of Legends and Listeners right here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Uh, good Thursday morning to you all. I think it's Thursday. My, my game week stuff is a little off. My name is Chad Leistico, a sports columnist for the Des Moines Register, and I'm joined on this Citrus Bowl week by Scott Docterman of The Athletic. Scott, welcome to Orlando. Uh, we're recording here from... Separate venues here at the Rosen, the lovely Rosen Plaza Hotel on International Drive. Yeah, how you doing, Chad? It's it's a uh, it's a week where I'm like, is it Wednesday or is it Thursday? And then I'm looking at the, the schedule, making sure I'm in the right place at the right time. I flew in yesterday. I know you drove down from uh, from. 
Uh, so how was uh, the drive? Was it beautiful as I can only imagine? I, uh, I was warned about the traffic in Atlanta and uh, they were right. They were right. Mm-hmm. Even on the day after Christmas, which I thought, eh, it's not going to be that bad the day after Christmas. Who's traveling? Um, yeah, it was uh, it was brutal. Added about added several hours to the to the journey. But uh, my uh, my my work here is in full force. And my wife and kids are over at Universal Studios right now. So they dropped them off in the rain. That was pretty fun this morning. <laughs> uh, I hope a good day. I know it's going to be a rainy practice for Iowa, and and uh, so I'm like, all right, how should we dress? How, you know, should yeah. we dress up? You know, there's a game later tonight too here. Uh, you know, NC State and uh, and Kansas State for the Pop Tarts Bowl, and there's Pop Tarts in the in the uh, media hospitality room. That was glorious to get this morning, and then there's. Uh, uh, you know, just it's it's a very festive atmosphere here in Orlando. Yeah, the uh, I, I popped up into the media room last night with my son, and uh, they told him to take as many pop tarts as he wanted to. So this is like a dream for him too. So, <laughs> so he picked up about four different flavors, and I think uh, there's still I think there's still like six hundred of them up there still. So I don't think he uh, ruined anybody's pop tart Christmas. <laughs> I, I took two uh, two down, you know, for, <laughs> for breakfast, and then uh, so that was a, that made for a great breakfast, and and hopefully I'll be up there later tonight and do the same thing, you know. It's uh, it saves on the per diem and allows me to go a little bit more extravagant at me in the evening. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll be all replaced by Cheez-Its here uh, in a few hours, right? So uh, for the yeah, Cheez-It those- Citrus Bowl, the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl which is what we're here to talk about. Uh, Four days from kickoff, Scott, at Camping World Stadium, Iowa versus Tennessee. It's been a newsy start to the week. Uh, Let's start on the Iowa side of things. Obviously, uh, just a real quick take. We're going to talk a little bit more about 2024 stuff later in the broadcast, but Jay Higgins, uh, on our way down, basically, uh, announces he's going to return for the Hawkeyes. We kind of teased that maybe last week that he was leaning to uh, staying and he gets that announcement out of the way, Scott. Uh, to me, he's the number three guy on my list of guys you wanted to return, even though he's a, you know maybe the best player on the team this year. <clears throat> you know, Cooper DeGene's still number one for me. If if by some miracle he returns, Luke Lachey too, but Jay Higgins right up there in that top three. So huge moment uh, for the Hawkeyes for uh, next season. Yeah, there's a couple of reasons why I would. Yeah, he's definitely in. And tackles, but the other part of it is intangible based. He is the the absolute to me leader of this team, and next year that will be indisputable. And when you have your leader and who presents himself in that way, come right out before the bowl game, say I'm coming back, that changes the dynamic because it goes from kind of angst and anxiety a little bit for fans fans and probably even for coaches, you know, wondering, okay, should, you know, if if these guys leave, you know, how much practice time should we give the other guys just because this is the last time you'll see them again until April on the field. But now it's uh, okay. Now you feel solidified. And I, I, I know from talking to a few people last week, Chad, and I'm sure you got the same vibes that they thought out of the, you know, what Tyler Barnes said, six players, I think it includes now Nick Jackson. They feel like there's about five that have a chance to really, they really think are going to come back. So maybe that increases a little bit more, but, but I think it really changes the tenor of this week. 
um, again, from uncertainty to now, um, you know, a very methodical approach to this game. And there's not a lot of that guessing game going on. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this week because now you're right. The the whole vibe of the week has already changed because of the Jay Higgins news, Joe Milton for Tennessee opting out, which uh, I'm sure we'll get into as we go here. But that that was yesterday's news. Uh, their quarterback, sixth year senior, somebody Cade McNamara knows well, yeah. um, somebody they've been preparing for at least a little bit. Uh, the, the the brief, you know, as you're walking up to the stadium, glimpses you get of practice. Uh, you know, there was a number. You know, they, the quarterback, scout team quarterback was still number seven yesterday uh, for Tennessee. So um, they're going to have to change up a little bit for for the freshman quarterback, uh, Nico. I'm not going to say his last name right now, but Iamaleva. Iamaleva. I think it's, yeah. Iamaleva. Maleava. Iamaleva. Okay. So he, anyway, Nico, Nico I uh, is going to be their quarterback, Scott. But I, I, just in terms of like what you just said, uh, what does this game – I mean, people – I've gotten some vibes, like, from my text group, that type of thing, like, where it's like, I don't really even care about this game. You know, they're watch, of course, but they're like, ah, you know, why should I care about this game? Um, I don't know. What, is it, what do you feel like this game means uh, this week, four days from now, for the Hawks? It means it, – it always means more to the players than it does to the fans. The fans rally around it differently year to year. But I think this is – a a critical game for the people who lay it out on the field. I think this is a critical game for Iowa, the program, the coaches and the players, the fans are kind of wishy-washy and it's understandable. They've been that way all year because of the, the detrimental side of the offense. But, but I think when you look at the opportunity to get to 11 wins, you can't take that lightly if you're Iowa. That's only happened three other times in history. So, uh, so to to finish the season eleven and three to go from getting shut out in, in the Big Ten championship to, you know, beating a ranked team in a bowl game, you know, the the, the Citrus Bowl. I mean, you finish eleven and three. That in a year like this, where your offense could barely get off the mat, I think it, it speaks volumes to the to the. Uh, you know, the way they, this team conquered adversity. I think it speaks to the coaching staff and the way they prepare them and, and the toughness that they and resiliency that they've played with all year. So um, the fans can feel the way they want to feel because they're fans. But but I think for the players in the program that they can walk away. If they win this game, they can walk away with their heads held high thinking, you know what, you accomplished something pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm, uh, I always feel like, it, you know, it, Fans get into it more as the game gets even closer. So I feel like the anticipation and, you know, desire to win is going to grow a little bit. But, yeah, the bowl games, I mean, all the bowl games this year have just a different vibe with the opt-outs, et cetera. But Tennessee fans now are really invested in this game, too, yeah. because of the quarterback situation, whereas uh, they necess- un- maybe weren't as much because it was a disappointing season compared with last year for Josh Heupel's team. So uh, I'm real interested. Uh, I think it just – exponentially increases my interest just in the matchup itself because it's like what can phil parker do against a true freshman five-star quarterback and uh we i had my podcast my hawk central podcast last night with dargan southern who's a tennessee fan grew up in uh tennessee like uh he was he was podcasting from knoxville because he was back home for christmas (laughs) and uh you know he's so we had he had a lot of insight on them and it's just like they don't think much of iowa at all i mean they think that Iowa's defense is only good because of 
plays in the Big Ten West. That's the reason they practice the stats. You know, it's been so good, so dominating statistically. Uh, got 10 wins. So it's it, there is a little bit of, hey, let's see, let's see how good this Phil Parker defense really is. And I think that that is good. I think that's, that's a huge storyline for me and for the uh, Tennessee folks. I mean, I think we're all just going to see, like, oh, is this Iowa defense really uh, – you know, how good is it going against SEC speed? Even though they have some opt-outs, you still – it's a totally different type of feel for this game. Sure. I mean, Iowa's going to generate that kind of disrespect anyway, especially the way it played on offense this year. Um, it, it got that kind of disrespect from the other division, <laughs> you know, in the, in the Big Ten. So it, it's really not surprising that somebody would look at Iowa's offense and go, ugh. You know, like like whiffing gangrene or something. You're like, Ugh, you know, so I, I think that you know, that's what people are probably thinking. You know, but and then the defense, it's understandable. Okay, you guys have played Minnesota, you played, you know, Illinois. I mean, who cares? It's not it's not our team. You know, who we've played, but but I, I think that's a huge challenge for Iowa. And I think this is the the fascinating part about this is, I mean. You know, first of all, Joe Milton got beat out by Cade McNamara in 2020. Joe Milton started the season looking like a Heisman Trophy contender and then fizzled, you know, like a, you know, a popcorn firecracker. You know, went, <laughs> I wonder what your analogy was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like he went over to like Minnesota and they annihilated them that 2020 season and then they got blown out by, uh, by Michigan State. And they weren't very good as we saw. So, the, you know, to – Joe, he would have been a, a nice quarterback to face, but he, I don't think he's, you know, in the top three in the Big Ten necessarily. But but adding, you know, Iko, uh, Nico Iamaleva, uh, I think really does energize the Tennessee fans. And why wouldn't it? If you had a five-star that you've been waiting on, you know, last year, different degree. But when, when there was a little bit of energy for Iowa when Xavier Wampa was going to play, even though Kayvon was pretty good. Um, and then he, he proved himself. But he's got his he's got a major challenge on his hands going against this defense. And you know, you're making your first start. He's had a you know, he's played in four games, he's been okay. Um, but your first start is against this defense, the way it plays. Um uh, you know, the, and then they don't have their thousand yard rusher. So I think this this is pretty it's, it's going to be a tall task for him to, to generate much. Now, that may still be enough because we know Iowa's offense is, you know, struggles in uh, seven on seven. But, you know, I think this is uh, it's still it, it's an issue that if they're if they're underestimating Iowa's defense, get real, real quick. And they may they may have a nice drive to start the game. But after that, it's going to get really tough. Thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Heartland Flags and Gifts, which offers free shipping anywhere in the U.S. and always has fresh products, nearly every team, every sport, and every flag. Visit our good friends online at heartlandflags.com or in-store back in Iowa, if you're still in Iowa, at 3719 Southwest 9th Street in Des Moines. Um, let's move on to like some, some uh, other storylines, Scott, from the Hawkeye perspective, and certainly – you know, the biggest topic here is offensive coordinator. You know, it is every day until until there's a resolution. But uh, one of the uh, tangents of that topic was sort of resolved yesterday. Brian Ferentz is with the team, uh, is coaching in the game. Uh, I think it was Addison Ostranga said he's coaching his butt off, you know, for this game or whatever. Uh, we know he's been looking for jobs. Uh, I think we both 
probably feel like NFL is the best fit for him next. And that that season's going to really open the floodgates here in what two weeks, mm-hmm. not even. So, so it's not like he. It's not like, hey, he hasn't gotten a job yet. See, he sucks. You know, it, I think it's <laughs> it's just not time yet for Brian to to get that that spot. And I think he will land somewhere, and, and I think he'll do a really good job wherever he goes. But anyway. What is this game? How, how, how do you feel about Brian Ferentz's final game as OC? It doesn't seem like we're going to hear from him in the media. He uh, Abdul Hodge takes his spot on the, on the coordinator schedule on Friday. So uh, what are your thoughts on Brian's last game uh, as it now arrives four days away? Yeah, it's it's intriguing because you you don't know. I mean, it, you know, is this a legacy game? I don't I wouldn't think that. I think this is just a game for him, you know, he, he's got to coach it to help his father out, you know, and to win a, to win a bowl championship and, you know, maybe get up in the top 15, maybe even a little higher than that. Um, but you know, and for him to kind of end it on a nice note, I kind of think that the, the game against Illinois was, was his, you know, this was your celebration moment. And it's been, it's been a weird ride since, um, late October, you know, two months ago, almost since, since he was officially let go, because you look at the situation with, you know, not wearing the, the, you know, team logo and, you know, not talking to media. And I understand that, but, you know, it's, it's, it's time. It's time for it to kind of move on. I think here at at Iowa and, and, uh, you know, can he put together a good game plan? Well, he better, you know, if James Pierce ends up playing, I mean, that's, He's, he's a destructive pass rusher that we haven't seen in the Big Ten this year. I mean, he's really better than like Chop Robinson. Yeah, he's he's yeah. better. So I, I think you got with him. We got to be careful, and you, they better. You know, they don't do a lot of d- double protections, but they got to. They've got to chip. They've got to do whatever because he can ruin your day. And as we've seen, um, it's not like Deacon Hill's very, uh, you know, is not Spencer Petrus when holding onto the ball. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm always, I'm very fascinated to see, uh, you know, how the offense plays. You know, you get a whole month to prepare, a whole month to improve. Scott, the whole, the entire offensive line is much healthier. Uh, we had a chance to talk to Rusty Feth yesterday, who was really insight. He, he was the best of the six interviews, I felt like. So check out that video. It was like five and a half minutes, maybe on HawkCentral.com. Um, you know, he he was just like so happy about his one year here. Just like he, he imagined what it would be like for playing, what it would be like playing for Kirk Ferentz. And it was more than that, he said, um, because you hear so much about him. And, and here he is, uh, you know, getting Christmas gifts from Cade McNamara. Uh, learning from Cade Peeper, uh, watching how he plays so aggressively and so hard. And he says, "You th- sometimes you think too much um, as a fifth-year senior. And I know I'm rambling here, but the point being that he play- he suffered a major shoulder injury in that Northwestern game and then came back in because Bo Stevens went down in the heap of turf <laughs> yeah. over by the, the Cubs dugout. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm not laughing at the injury, but just yeah. at the at the – <laughs> oh, yeah. turf, the turf stuff. I, I snagged some of it, by the way. I, you know, <laughs> oh, I think that's a uh, prosecutable uh, offense there. Um, the, uh, but anyway, he came back in to play on that last drive where they threw the pass to Caleb Brown and got mm-hmm. through Stevens' field goal. And he played through it all through November. Mason Richmond played through a bunch of stuff in November. 
Both those guys are healthy now. Uh, Jennings Dunker back on the field. Logan Jones back on the field after that ankle issue that he suffered against Northwestern. Uh, well, I did see Bo Stevens was practicing yesterday. I think we saw that the other day too. So, um, you know, very, you know, that gives you some encouragement, right? And you, you would, what I, my mind flashes back to a few years ago, Scott, is um, remember how bad that, bad it looked in the Big Ten championship game, forty-two to three, offensively. But they came out against Kentucky, and they they looked pretty good on offense. They averaged, I think, seven yards a play almost. Um, Gavin Williams and LeSean Williams ran pretty well. That was when Tyler Goodson opted out. They only scored 17 points, but you could see that month of preparation really paid off. So I guess I'm just holding out hope for the Hawkeye fans listening to this that you'll see a little bit better performance on offense, but who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the injury part of it is all relative at this point. You know, I mean, it may be some of the bumps and bruises have kind of faded away. But, you know, the serious injuries are the, one, the ones that have surgeries on the on the up on the horizon or a little bit, uh, you still got to, you know, worry about those, but, you know, I, I was looking a little bit at the numbers here and, and Tennessee's pretty good against the run, you know, um, across the board. And, and so I think that's going to be a, a struggle for Iowa's offense to, but, but not impossible. I think they'll be able to run the football a little bit, um, you know, where they're most vulnerable, of course, to me is, is on in the passing game. And that's where I was just not, very adept but you know i mean they have three starters four total but three in the secondary opting out um that's significant um even you know even with iowa and its challenges getting moving the ball through the air they're still going to have um you know there's there's still going to be able to do it because of of those types of things and i mean tennessee defensively and in, in completion percentage gives up 67 percent, which is 126th in the country that's you know so you figure and then you remove three starters from that back end and then some backups too so they're gonna be playing bare bones i mean you've got an opportunity there and you, you can take advantage of it now if they had eric all and luke cliche i would say they could take advantage of it but they can't um you know, that to me is going to be a big matchup because I think Iowa is going to be able to slow down Tennessee's offense. They're not maybe after a, a first drive, they might give up some yards or something. But after that, they're going to settle down. They're going to cause some problems for for a rookie who is immensely talented. I mean, you know, he had his NIL deals were off the charts last year, you know, before he came to Tennessee. I think he was like the eight million dollar man or something like that. Uh, so, supposedly, uh, supposedly, supposedly, it's never been confirmed, but yeah, right. I know I'm speculating because that's where the speculation lies. But, but you know, I'll say this that Phil Parker and his defense against rookie quarterback. I mean, last year, you know, Destin Wade just was annihilated, you know, four sacks, two pick sixes. He was like 16 of 30 for less than 100 yards passing. I mean, could not do anything. I would expect Nico to be a little better than that, but at the same time, um, I think where Iowa can win this game and this, I've never said this all year long is through the air. And if they can establish some sort of movement, you know, and if Brian could devise a magic plan to move the ball and maybe score a touchdown through the air, at least one, then I think Iowa has a good chance of winning this game. Well, and that's the thing, like what, how much has Brian been involved? Are you, we just don't know. We don't know how, 
intensely. And maybe he's just thrown out a few resumes and made a few calls <laughs> and then he's working on the game the other 90, 99% of his time. Or maybe it's been, you know, we don't know, a John Budmeyer uh, show behind the scenes and he's just going to, you know, call the plays on game day or who knows. I don't know. We don't. We don't have a good sense of that right now. Hopefully we'll get to talk to some offensive players today. Not that they're going to give us much. One guy that we did talk to yesterday, Caleb Brown, I think could be a real big factor in this game plan. He was a little dinged up after the Nebraska game, and you could tell they still tried to go to him against Michigan, and he did he did a pretty good job when they could get the ball off. Um, so I, I could see him being a big part of this game plan. Obviously Deontay Vines opts out, so you're looking at Seth Anderson. Uh, Nico Regaini, two Nikos, um, hmm. and uh, of course uh, Jacob Bostic would be the next man in. Probably uh, still uh, interested to see what he has to offer um, in this game. And uh, it's a it is a game of last, Scott. And I wanted to get into that next uh, for a lot of Hawkeyes. You know, we don't know what the future holds for some guys, uh, and this kind of gets into the what we're working on stuff. Um, I did a piece on Tory. T- you know, I, f- I haven't sent it out yet, but I did a piece on Tory Taylor. Um, his last game as a Hawkeye, uh, unforgettable Hawkeye. I texted you the other day, like, mm-hmm. is he like one of the greatest punters like ever in college football? Because I know you know your history. I mean, you could make a case that he's he's in that upper crust um, of what he has meant to this Iowa team over four years, especially the last two years with such a putrid mm-hmm. offense. Maybe three years, really. Um, when you think about the Penn State and Iowa State games as a sophomore, what he did mm-hmm. in those games to help win those matchups. Uh, I'm going to remember Tory Taylor, you know, as one of the one of the best talk guys I've covered, honestly. And I know he's just just a punter, but um, you know, he's he's kicked 288 punts. Uh, let's hope for Iowa fans' sake he doesn't get to 300 <laughs> in his career, or that would be a bad <laughs> a bad game on Monday. But you know, yeah. he's only got, he's only got, you know, five to eight, maybe swings of the leg left in this Hawkeye career. And uh, he's certainly going to be missed. Yeah. Every year, it seems like, Chad, we get to the end of the season and you wonder, OK, how are they going to replace this guy? And, you know, Tyler Linderbaum was that way two years ago. Jack Campbell was last year. And you could always count on somebody stepping in and performing those tasks and usually doing it at a decent level. But Tory is is clearly the best in, in Iowa history. Now, I, you, you know, people nostalgia purposes love you know the Reggie Roby part of it, and he had a leg, and he was in the NFL for 16 years. So yeah, obviously he's a great punter. But but accolades wise and impact, you don't get any better than Tory Taylor. I mean, what you know the, the Wisconsin game this year. I mean, if you want to put one in a time capsule, that's one, you know, and then, of course, Penn State and Iowa State two years ago, as you mentioned, and some other games as well. But, you know, just for the sake of bringing somebody else up here, I'm going to I think Joe Evans is a guy that I'm always going to remember. And he if you want to, you know, if Kirk Ferentz wants to kind of retire the Dallas Clark story, I know that's probably got a few more years of life left for Kirk, but, uh, but if he wants to retire that and start talking about another player that means a lot, I think Joe Evans is the perfect Iowa Hawkeye story, you know, a, a walk on from Ames where he played quarterback. He also played defense and his, and don't let that fool you. His numbers at Ames were unreal, but came over to play linebacker as a walk on all of a sudden, bulks up and becomes kind of a rush end. he beats out some very talented players to become the rush end. And it wasn't just, 
you know, a gift like, oh, let's tip our cap to the in-state walk-on guy, you know, the try-hard story. He, he became a very impactful player, you know, recognized three straight years by Big Ten um, in all Big Ten voting, either second team or third team. And and now, you know, he has, what, 24 sacks in his career and is a, a voice that every, that really resonates. And so when he – you know, he has inspiration that will live on beyond him because players in the state, you know, they have a really impressive list to me of of walk-ons, guys that can go play FCS football and play really well. But, you know, Iowa can bring up Joe Evans to people around the state all the time and say, look, um, look at what he did. You're capable of that. He could have went to UNI or South Dakota State or wherever and played well. He came here and – you know, as a leader, as a captain, as a tough guy, and as a contributor, and a really good one at that, um, the stories to me are are off the charts. Uh, while we were recording there, I did tweet out my Tory Taylor column, so well, it is up. It is up. By the time you're listening to this, it is up. Um, yeah, Joe Evans, man. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna miss him just from a media perspective too. I mean, he was probably my runner-up in the Golden mm-hmm. Gavel, uh, if there was a runner-up the golden gavel yeah. so an honorary mention there for mr evans but yeah he absolutely uh, uh where's he gonna end up on the sack list at iowa like top five or six right yeah he's he's up there he's i, gotta, I, think, I think he's um two and a half behind fourth place okay so he's tied for sixth i want to say with bill ellis inch uh you know who's huh. now the dc at washington so you know and i think you know, now he's not going to get Jared DeVries' record. No, <laughs> nope. no, no, no. Nobody no, ever will. No. You know, I think I think Epinesa is like it's 26 and a half and Joe's at like 24. So, you know, then he's like fourth or tied for fourth. So, yeah, DeVries is, should be a Hall of Famer. And, you know, if he didn't play for a really bad team his last year, he would be in the Hall of Famer. Nobody in college football history has more tackles for loss than him. It's unreal. And he's he, he second all time in Big Ten sacks. Um, first, wow. obviously, at Iowa. He should be in the Hall of Fame. It's it's the crime that he's not. <laughs> well, it is New Year's Eve in just three days, so there's no better time than now to give our friends at Steeple Ridge Bourbon a try. Steeple Ridge delivers a high quality, delicious drinking bourbon. If you're not going to do it for New Year's Eve, when are you going to do it? If you don't find Steeple Ridge at your favorite retailer, uh, ask for it by name, but you got to hurry. Uh, New Year's Eve, just three days away. Steeple Ridge is distilled, aged, and bottled in Iowa by Lonely Oak Distillery. I don't know if they have that here in Orlando, Scott, but, um, you know, there's a lot of liquor stores around here. I know that. <laughs> yeah, well, I maybe I'll save my bourbon for Steeple Ridge when I get back to, to Iowa. There you go. Switch my <laughs> drinks on, on New Year's Eve. So uh, when it's January, you know, get ready for the final Bears game against the Packers with some Steeple Ridge. Uh, <laughs> Either to celebrate or to to cry in it. <laughs> yeah, we got to make our plans to to watch the Bears Falcons somewhere on Sunday, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, we got to figure out if someone's showing that uh, that awful game. Um, but also, I remember two years ago. Remember we watched the like the Nick Foles game against yeah. the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, I think it was up the street here, right? Yeah. The Bears won. Right, they won that game. And, yeah. and I think they'll win on Saturday. You know, just 
Hey, I, we got to get a little bit of Bears talk in here, and let's just—I'll make this narrow. And it's a really interesting point to me, and probably nobody else. But when they played the Cardinals, that was the the first time the Cardinals wore their Cardinal red jerseys in Chicago since 1959, when they were the Chicago Cardinals, and their home stadium was Soldier Field that year. Every year before that, it was Comiskey Park. But the, so the last game the Chicago Cardinals played in Chicago when they wore red was against the Bears in 1959. And <laughs> so they wore wore it against the Bears the other day. But I didn't wow. want them to wear it. I wanted to. I wanted to see the Bears in navy. I don't like the, you know, the orange ones. I don't like those. I'm old. But you know, so give me the classic Bears uniforms. I think they're the best. So. <laughs> uh, just so we don't lose too many Packers and Vikings <laughs> fans and on here, we'll move back to the Hawkeyes quickly. Okay. So stay with us. Uh, yeah, that was um, <laughs> sorry, uh, but we can do. Yeah, we can do. We can do a whole tangent on that if we really wanted to. So um, anyway, uh, let's go back to the Jay Higgins thing, which we topped the show with because uh, uh, I did talk to Quinn Schulte yesterday. Um, it was really, I was really appreciative that the the Iowa folks let us gave us three days of players this year, and, mm-hmm. and it was. It was good. Quinn Schulte was like, yeah, that does, you know, Jay's decision does impact what my thinking is about coming back because it's more appealing to come back to a defense with Jay Higgins on it. You know, just like, you know, just like if uh, let's say Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall could stay another year, you know, next year, let's just say they could, you know, that that would probably be enticing more so for Caitlin Clark to return. You know, like if you got your familiar guys and girls, to play with um, one more time, you know, one last ride type of thing. So Quinn did say that would be a factor. Now he's um, he's got a, he's certainly got a decision to make. Um, as I kind of talked about yesterday on the show, I still think the Nick Jackson thing is still more likely he goes to the pros, but that's more of a possibility now that he's gotten the waiver for his uh, his year at Virginia. A lot of interesting storylines t- to sort out, but it all will happen after the bowl game, Scott. Uh, according to Quinn, um, it was funny. Like a couple of the players were like, uh, I think Tom Kakert asked like, Hey, do you talk about it much? And yeah, you know, a couple of them were like, nah, not really. You know, we're just going to, we're focused on the game. And then we asked Caleb Brown and he's like, yeah, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, like trying to get all these defensive guys, Cooper DeGene included to stay. Yeah. So that is a topic this week. Uh, I don't think we're going to get any more resolutions, but um, you know, we've talked about it a lot, Scott, but still just think about the possibilities of this defense. If this, di- if this Higgins thing creates a domino effect. For sure. And you gotta, you gotta wonder now, okay, which are the ones that are going to want to go and which ones are going to stay? I mean, there's still, um, you know, I, I, we haven't gotten any indication that Eric all wants to stay. You know, there hasn't even been any back channel type talk. I mean, it's all been speculative on him. But but if Luke Lachey decides to stay and and I think there's compelling cases for him um, one way or the other, but he would be a massive addition. You know, I think you said you ranked him number two. I agree with that Um, because a healthy Luke Lachey this year would have changed the dynamic on offense. Now, they brought. I don't know how many more points that means per game. It certainly wouldn't have hit the drive for 325, but it, it would have given Iowa a chance to just, you know, may, maybe one more touchdown per game. And I don't mean that that he would have scored it, but it would have, you know, third and five, he would have converted a drive and it would have moved the ball down the field a little bit more. Um, and I think he's got that kind of impact. So if he could come back, 
that's that's massive. Now on the defensive side, the domino effect is what do the defensive backs do? You know, Nick Jackson is is unique in that that you know he's got a waiver they put in for it. I know his father was instrumental in that, but it gives him options, something to think about, and that's really you know, and he's he's very committed to schoolwork, but you know, at some point you've got to take that leap. But I think the three defensive backs, this is this is really critical to, for Jay Higgins coming back. When you look at Sebastian Castro, I think his profile is similar to that of Jay Higgins. Um, you know, one more year, he might be an All-American. And he, he might actually be a mid-round draft pick anyway, but maybe you solidify it. Maybe you actually become, you know, a bigger, better player. And then Jamari Harris, I, I would be – I think it would be a, a really disappointing, you know, resolution if he goes to the NFL, because this is really he's really a one-year starter. I know he played well two years ago in 2021, but he was out last year. He started the year under suspension for gambling, and he's built a pretty nice year out of it. But if you go off to the NFL and you're him, then next thing you know. Um, you're just a sixth rounder. You're just a seventh rounder. You're just an undrafted free agent. And if you don't measure up in training camp, you're cut. You'd be lucky to land on a practice squad. Whereas you could come back and I'll say it and play for the best secondary coach in the country and learn and take that to the next level. And you can go from being a guy who's a late round draft pick to potentially a, a day two type draft pick and a first team all big 10 guy. And I, I think, the smartest one of all, I you know, to me is Jamari Harris because I, you know, I would have seen Jay Higgins in the NFL. Nick Jackson has a shot, but I don't know that he can boost his profile. Castro, he could get in the NFL. Lachey, he's going to get drafted. Quinn Schulte, he's either going to be a great dentist or, you know, have his crack at the NFL. Jamari Harris, to me, is you can go from being late sixth rounder, take a flyer on the guy to, solidifying yourself as a as day two pick yeah I, I, well said well said across the board and I, I do think Luke Lachey could really benefit from coming back um, I know that he's certainly gonna, he'd probably be a day two pick I think probably um, even now uh, yeah, but, maybe. but we saw him yesterday um, he's still he's still walking with a little bit of a limp um, you know, he doesn't have – Cooper DeGene doesn't have the cast on anymore either. So, um, you know, but I, that's another indication to me that Cooper is gone because he's going to be healthy for the combine. Um, mm -hmm. No yeah. reason for him to come back. But Luke, I mean, I think if you just – if you have a big year – we've been over this, I guess. This is kind mm -hmm. of redundant. But if you have a big year, come back, you're going to get that first-round potential. Um, hey, and with the Iowa tight end history, why wouldn't – some team take a chance on you, especially after what Sam Laporta has done this year. Um, now, some team may still do it, but you do it on the field like Sam Laporta did last year, then you're going to have teams, you know, sniffing around late first round type of thing, I think. So, yeah, you look at that, it, and not to harp on it too much, but you look at Luke Lachey's um, gifts and, you know, physical gifts and, you know, he's bigger than, than Laporta. You know, he's probably a little more athletic than TJ Hawkinson. Um, you know, he's, he's probably more in the Noah Fant type athletic ability, maybe not quite as overly fast, but 
you know, I, I think one year will benefit him from a money financial standpoint because he, you know, not as severe as Jamari Harris, but I think now somebody would take a flyer on him. You know, somebody would, you know, hey, if if you're the Bears and you pick draft him, you might get him like an early fourth um, now and not necessarily redshirt him for a year because he's, he'll be healthy, but at least draft him alongside as the number two tight end. Next year, after he wins the Mackey, after he, he's an you know unanimous first team All American, which I could see actually happening for him, then then he could go off and be a first rounder, make real money, you know, <laughs> guaranteed money. Let's say, um, you know, and you look at the signing bonus differences. It's you know, I mean, you know, that's like with Cooper DeGene. You're talking about it. $8 million signing bonus. If you're like the number 17 or 18 pick in the draft, you can't turn that down, man. You know, so, and then, then Luke Lachey, he might go from having a $98,000 signing bonus to $8 million. I mean, that's, you know, that's significant. And at least for him, for his family, that's not exactly the biggest concern in the world for some players that it, that is a bigger concern. Like, Hey, just give me my money now. And, and then NIL helps, mitigate that a little bit because then you can hey you know you're not we're not walking away here you know empty-handed you you do do get some money here while you're in college yeah we know luke loves you know he's one of those guys that just loves being at iowa so Mm -hmm. um you know i I could really see him coming back i think i think it's more likely he comes back than nick jackson Mm -hmm. um hey we didn't have a lot of time for show prep sky our paths have kind of crossed a little bit um Give you the floor here. Last, any last topics you want to talk about for our last legends and listeners uh, of 2023? You know, I, I I'm really intrigued by you know I, I think like anybody, you know this is where we are in bowl season. That you look at the, at a team and you 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 we're kind of like analyzing it in the now, but most people, including ourselves, are also looking at it in the big picture. That's what we've spent most of the time talking about. Who's going to return? You know, can they talk in, you know, these guys into coming back? Okay, what do they do in the portal afterwards? Who's going to have to, you know, go on medical or or whatever? And that's kind of where we are right now outside of the playoff structure. And it's not necessarily unhealthy. I think you we look at the opponent that Iowa faces, the energy that the fan base has just shown in, in immense ways. Now, now that Nico is going to be their quarterback, that's kind of the wave of the future for bowl games. It's going to, it continues to probably drive Kirk Ferentz nuts who looks at games and wants to win the game itself. But I think overall it, it, it's fun. And, and for Iowa, if you, you know, I would like to see Marco get it, get some snaps. I don't know if it's, it can happen, but let's say you reach a juncture in the second quarter get him a series just let's let's let him play you know this game doesn't count it doesn't matter for him anyway you know he didn't play in any games but i'd like to i'd like to see him just out there i think that would energize the fans too yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i think that's a i think it's a valid question i would love to have asked the offensive coordinator on friday about that yeah. do you have any any package for marco Linez, you know that you may install i mean heck we saw sam laporta run the wildcat in the last year's <laughs> game different circumstances but something it's a wrinkle you have time to put in uh, for the game so i like that marco Linez idea Uh, caleb brown was talking about how good he was looking in practice yesterday so i'm sure folks are real excited about that Mm -hmm. Um, 
And uh, you know, uh, it's a bit. It could be a big game for Deacon Hill. And I mean, this is his potential last shot at, you know, staking a good case for the backup job next year uh, to Cade McNamara because, um, you know, and give fans like a more positive feeling about him heading into the off season. So, yeah, um, curious to you know, you know, his ceiling doesn't seem super high, but also, who knows? Maybe with a month. Um, I don't know. It's just going to be fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to the game, Scott. I know you are too, and we're going to uh, be reporting down here all week for you for the athletic, me for Des Moines Register. So uh, looking forward to hanging out with you the rest of the week and giving uh, giving our fans some not our fans but the Hawk fans. So. Yeah, our readers. We don't know. We don't have fans, but <laughs> <laughs> our readers. Yeah, the yeah, people read us. And yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Not, but I think there's a lot of intriguing storylines that all of us can kind of tackle and whether it's collective or individually. And that's, you know, that's why we, we have jobs. I mean, it's passionate, loyal Iowa fans and, you know, whether, whether and then people across the state at Iowa, they're Iowa state fans and they're playing tomorrow and that'll be fun to watch. But overall, I, I think this is a, you know, there, there's so, there's so much intrigue. The game itself, it isn't like it used to be like you go to the Outback Bowl. <laughs> it would be all about the Outback Bowl. And, you know, then there was starting to be some opt-outs and stuff. So I, I like this um, scenario, this the, the way we are right now. I mean, it, it adds a level of intrigue. A lot more work, you know, in the month of December than it was 10 years ago when it was just, you know, before when signing day was just in February and the coaches would hit the road and, you know, there might be a flip, there might be an addition, but now it's, uh, you know, now we've got all this. And then there's going to be plenty more because once these players make their decisions, then it's in the OC decision. And then after that, you've got, um, you know, and as you said, with Deacon Hill, you know, how does he feel after this season? Cause you know, they're going back to Cade McNamara next year what if marco uh surpasses him in train in spring football what's his next step you know does he stick around or does he say you know what i i need to get a chance to start and you know and then would anybody give him a chance to start so i it, 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 there's a lot of different tentacles here uh enjoyed it scott i'll see you soon for scott dashmore this is chad Lystico. thanks for tuning in to legends and listeners all 20 episodes in 2023 we'll be back with you in 2024 from the channel seed studios and talk to you next week on the iowa everywhere network iowa everywhere